Psalms chapter 127, remain standing. And then also one last announcement. On September the 23rd, um, we are going to be having our shotgun service. So we will not be having service on Thursday that, like we normally have. We're actually going to have service on the 23rd, the day before. And uh, actually, it's going to be a really great service on that 23rd of September. So make plans for that. Uh, service will not be our regular reach service on a Thursday. We're actually going to have service on a Wednesday night, and it's going to be a shotgun service. I guarantee you, you're going to want to be here because you are going to see things that you have not seen almost ever. Uh, we have some video footage. Matter of fact, there's going to be some people here that you have not seen in decades. They're going to be here on that night. We're going to have a powerful night. So that'll be September the 23rd on Wednesday night. Make plans for that evening. Amen. Psalms chapter 127, do you have it? If you got it, say, mm hmm 127 verse 1, it says, Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. Let's read it together. Are you ready? One, two, three. Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. One more time. Unless the its builders labor in vain. Let's pray. Father, have your way here this morning. Lord, I pray that those that came hungry and open, Lord God, that you would meet their appetite, Lord God, that they would be filled, Jesus. I pray that our hearts, Lord God, even those who have a hardened heart, Lord, let it turn into a heart of flesh here today, Father. Let your spirit move like never before. Father, I thank you and I praise you in Jesus' name. And we all said... Before you're seated, shake your neighbor's hand and tell them, I can tell you're under construction. <laughs> then you may be seated. We're all under construction. Amen. Amen. Ain't that right, Mark? Come on now, Mark. He's here, finally. After text messages, after text messages. I didn't text you back this morning, right? Because fine, I just wanted you to get here, bro. No more text messaging. I can't text you service. You got to be here. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders or the laborers labor in vain. We are all under construction. Your husband is under construction. <laughs> Your wife is under construction. Mm -hmm. Well, well. I know I'm under construction, that's for sure. My marriage, my parenting, my family, my finances, my house, everything is under construction. And I want you to know something everyone is under construction. Matter of fact, there's a story of a man who had reeked of alcohol and he had flopped onto the subway and he took a seat right next to a priest. The man's tie was stained, his face was plastered with red lipstick, and he had a half-empty bottle of rum, and it was sticking out of his ripped jacket pocket. He opened up his newspaper and started reading. After a few minutes, the scruffy guy turned to the priest and asked, Say, Father, do you know what causes arthritis? The priest Disgusted by this man's appearance and his behavior, he snapped at him and said, It's caused by loose living, being with cheap, wicked women, 
too much alcohol, and a contempt for your fellow man. Well, I'll be, the man had muttered to the priest and returned back to his newspaper. The priest, thinking about what he had said, he nudged the man and he apologized and he said, I'm so sorry to have come on so strong. I, I didn't mean it. How long have you been suffering from arthritis? The man says, I don't have it, Father. I was just reading here that the Pope had arthritis. We are all under construction. Every single one of us, from the man behind the pulpit to the first person that has ever heard the words, Jesus loves you. Every single person here this morning, the past couple weeks, even a few weeks ago, we looked at the life of a man and we talked about his, how his life was constructed on purpose for a purpose. And we talked about how this young man, David, went from the shepherd's field to the battlefield and even to the royal palace. We talked about David the shepherd a few weeks ago, even a couple weeks ago. We talked about David the soldier. And even a little bit today, we're going to talk about that. But even just a little bit, understanding within this life of David that we are all under construction. A few weeks ago, we talked about how David, this teenage boy, he was just a shepherd boy. And being on the shepherd's field, he walked into this house. And when he walked into this house, an old man walks over to him and says, From here on out, you are now anointed to be king over this country. Matter of fact, you are not just going to be king. You are going to rule over everything and everyone that finds its foot on this soil. Matter of fact, when this took place, it kind of looked like all of a sudden this young boy was going to be anointed king or what we would call president, and he was going to start running the place, but actually that didn't happen. The complete opposite happened. He was told he was anointed to be king, but then right away he went off and he became the shepherd right again. Now you would think, man, when I'm going to be a king, I'm going to be president, I'm going to run the company, I should start now. God said, no, I'm not done with you yet. I've still got a few more things that you need to know. You are anointed. I have given you promises. I have given you an inheritance. But before you get the promise and before you get the inheritance, I need to construct you to make sure that you can keep the inheritance. This is what took place in the life of David. He went back to the shepherd's field to get under construction. See, what's very important is that you and I must understand is that before you get on the battlefield, you must first get on the shepherd's field. Before you see blood in battle, you must be first covered in his blood. We talked about even the Valley of Elah last a uh, couple weeks ago, and there was a vast canyon, and probably it was about a, a mile wide, and on one side was the Philistines, and on the other side was the Israelites, but they didn't fight altogether. What they did was they sent a representative. Somebody say representative. Somebody say representative. So the Philistines sent a representative, but not just any representative. They sent a champion. In other words, this man was already battle-tested. He wasn't just anybody. He was a battle-tested, battle-winning, certified trophy uh, candidate to beat any other country or any other army. This battle, at first, was a war of words because all Goliath was doing was just shouting curse words at the other countries and the other armies' gods. And we talked about it last week that if you don't kill Goliath at the beginning, little by little he will make his way day by day. 
If you don't stop him when he first starts, then my friend, little by little, the Bible says that Goliath found himself almost upwards on the other lines of the other battlefield. He should have never even crossed the midway point, but he was all the way over there. Listen, my friend, if you don't kill Goliath when he starts talking, he's going to keep talking and he's going to talk louder and louder and louder. This is what happened with Goliath. But David, he was just an errand boy. He was just there to give a task. The Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 32, David told Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Now, what we see so often, many times, even within our lives, many times when we face our own giants, what we, we forget what we ought to remember, and we remember what we ought to forget. Now, maybe that doesn't happen to you, but that happens to me. Sometimes when I'm in a battle, you know what I remember? I remember my defeats. I'm like, oh, man. And those are the things that I should forget. Those are the things that I shouldn't have on my priority list in my mind. But a lot of times that's what we do. Oh, I'm never going to make it. I can't do it. Here he comes again. Here she comes again. I can't do this. But my friend, you got to remember the battles that God has given you the victory over. See, David knew that and David understood that. He went to King Saul and he said, hey, I want you to know something. I've never fought a giant, but I know one thing. I fought a bear before. I know one thing. I fought a lion before. Now, I, I know I didn't share this a couple weeks ago, but man, study it on your own. There's a lot. I could do a whole message on killing a lion and killing a bear. That is a heavy point, just in the physical. Just a couple of uh, months ago, I was in South Africa, and I seen a lion, and I'm not going to lie to you, I was scared because the fence was only eight feet high. It was eight feet high, and it was like one of them little barbed wire fence that I, kinda, I feel like I can just rip open like He-Man. Like, so when I see this lion on the other side, uh, you know, for those of you that follow me on the social media, you know, I was filming it. You saw me filming like this. I'm not going to lie to you. In real life, I was filming like this. Lions are scary. Then you know what I found out? Tigers are worse. I didn't know that. They said, to, you know, because we're lion, kings of the jungle. Tigers are actually worse. But you know what's funny about it is this. Being there behind these Line, on this side of the lines, and they're on that side, I asked the guy, I said, man, can't they just jump over these lions and these tigers and just kind of, you know, mull us to death? They go, yeah, they could. But he said, they've been raised since they were cubs. They've been raised since they were lions, and they've been raised behind these lines. They don't know that. They don't know that they have the ability and the potential to jump over and eat anything and everyone that comes into their pathway. They just didn't know that. They've been bred since they were young. Now picture this, the complete opposite was Goliath. He's been bred since he was young. You kill everything and everyone that's in your pathway. Don't let no one or nothing stop you. No man, no king, no army. So here, you, not, you got a Goliath yelling and screaming. Since he was young, he's been yelling and screaming. It's nothing new. Since he was young, he knew how to defeat people. That was nothing new. So here he is yelling and screaming, and David comes over here, shows up on the scene, and says, wait a second, you guys are already defeated. But not that you're defeated because he hasn't thrown or killed anybody, he hasn't thrown a javelin or, or, or killed anybody with a sword. You guys have lost heart. That's what you lost. You lost heart. 
So David tells the king, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Why? Because I know what it is to have heart. I beat a bear and I beat a lion. Listen, my friend, it's not about the size of the giant in front of you. It's about the size of the heart that's inside of you. And if you've got it inside of you, my friend, it doesn't matter if it's a lion or if it's a bear. You already have some victories. Tell your neighbor, you've got victories behind your, under your belt. Tell them, you got victories under your belt. Tell them, you got victories behind you. Come on, tell them you got victories in front of you. See, some of you telling them, like, you got, I, I don't know if you can win a victory. I, I don't really know. I don't think you can. No, look at them. Tell them you got victories inside of you. Some of you are looking at them like, I don't know. Someone say, don't lose heart. There's a story of an only survivor on a shipwreck. He was washed up on a small, uninhabited island. He prayed fervently for God to rescue him. Every day, he scanned the horizon for help, but none seemed forthcoming. Exhausted, he eventually managed to build a little hut out of driftwood to protect himself from the elements and to store just a few of his possessions. One day, after scavenging for food all over the island, he arrived home to find his little hut in flames with smoke rolling up into the sky. He felt the worst had happened and everything was lost. He was stunned with disbelief, grief, and even anger. He even cried out to God, God, how can you do this to me? Early the next day, he was awakened by the sound of a ship approaching the island. It had come to rescue him. How did you know I was here? asked the weary man of his rescuers. They said, we saw your smoke signal. See, it's easy for us to get discouraged when things are going bad. But we shouldn't lose heart because God is always at work in our lives. Even in the midst of our pain and suffering, remember that the next time your little hut seems to be burning to the ground, it may just be a smoke signal that summons the grace of God. You may think all else is failing. You may think everything is going up in smoke. You may think that you have failed. But my friend, the moment you think you have failed, that's where God's grace comes in. And you will find the victory. Tell your neighbor, you got the victory in you. Turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 38. It says here in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 38. We'll start reading there. We're going to read a few verses. It says, Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to this. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with the sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. Let's stop right there. I like this portion of scripture. It's probably one of the most famous portions of scripture here in the Old Testament that we'll find. We've got Moses. We've got Daniel. We've got Noah. But in this portion of scripture, this is probably the one pivotal part that made David famous. See, it wasn't that he killed a lion in the valley. It's that he killed his own flesh in the tent of Saul. 
He started to understand, I cannot do it the way everyone else does it. God made me unique. I like what Bertrand Russell said. He said, war does not determine who is right, only who is left. When it comes to fighting and when it comes to a battle, listen, my friend, it's not about how right you are. It's not about how great you think you look in battle. My friend, battle is there to find out if you can still stay standing. A lot of times you, you need to know this. Listen to me. Battles are not there to kill you. They're there to test you. If you feel like you're in a battle, the battle doesn't want to kill you. It's just there to test you. Now, there's an enemy that wants to destroy you. There's an enemy that wants to kill you, but you need to know the difference. Before you even get into that fight with the enemy, some of you right now, you're battling yourself. Some of you, you're battling your own image. I don't look good. I don't feel good. I, 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 I want to look like her. I want to look like him. If I wear what she's wearing, because I saw her wearing that on the red carpet, then I'll feel good. If I wear what he was wearing, because, man, he looks good. If I work out and I look like him, then I'm going to feel great. No, my friend, God gave you a unique look on purpose for a purpose. You don't need to look like her. You don't need to look like him. You don't need to act like her. You don't need to act like him. What you need to do is act like him and look like him because you were made in his image. If you believe that, come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. See, Saul gave David his very own personal armor. What we need to understand is that what works for one person may not necessarily work for someone else. See, many times we're always trying on our armor on someone else and, or put someone else's armor on ourselves, but that is not the way to do battle. See, God provides unique techniques for unique people. God provides unique techniques for unique people. Now, I say that because there have been many times, even over the years, a lot of people, they know Victory Outreach. And one of the ways that they know Victory Outreach is our dramas. They know our, 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 our dramas a lot. They say, man, you guys are crazy. You guys are do this. You guys do that. We're just very unique, man. We're very unique. I mean, all you got to do is just talk to Brother Greg or Pastor Greg one time. You would know that we are unique people. If you've never gotten an opportunity to talk to Pastor Greg, just ask him one question. He's gone from there. And I can almost guarantee you, He's probably related to somebody in your family. Somehow, someway, he knows somebody who knows somebody who grew up with somebody that has somebody that knew somebody that knew that somebody because he knew that somebody. We're unique. We're just unique. Sometimes I try to explain victory outreach to people. And you know what? The, uh, when I say people, I mean, uh, you know, to other fellow Christians that go to other churches and other ministries. And I say, hey, we're from victory outreach. Oh, what do you guys do? Well, what we do is we reach the, you know, the drug addict and the gang member. Really? This is the reaction I always get. That is great. That's good for you. I'm not kidding. That's what I get. I went to a Christian school, private school, Fremont Christian, for 13 years. There was predominantly white folk in that school. You know what the crazy thing about it is that after I graduated, I think I shared this story, in 1998, my school per capita in, the, uh, in Fremont, Fremont has nine high schools. That's a big city. That's a lot of high schools. Hayward only has, I think, three or four. That's all we got. Fremont has nine. Per capita, Fremont in 1998, had the worst drug use. Fremont Christian School. My school. But they're good people, right? 
Somebody needed to be a David in that school representative. I get that all the time. Say, man, what you guys do is a good thing. Somebody should be reaching them. Now, you want to know the crazy thing? This is, and then this is my further conversation. I'm giving you guys a little bit of detail in my conversation. And then I tell them, yeah, yeah, that's what we do. Oh, they go, that's great. And then they go, who's the pastor? And I go, well, that's me. Again, vast reaction happens all the time. Really? You're young. Why, thank you. <laughs> I'm not making this up. This happens all the time. And then I begin to tell them, yeah, I just want you to know, I was never a drug addict. Really? Yeah, I was never a gang. Really? Never, I never did any alcohol. I'm never an alcoholic. Really? I, yeah, the only time I drank wine was because they were passing the communion. So I had to go ahead and bless the Lord on my soul. <laughs> it's the truth. It's God's truth. I had total opposite plans. Now, believe me, just because I'm saying all this stuff, for those of you that are new, they think, oh, man, he didn't do this, he didn't do that. I was probably worse than anybody here. I was self-righteous. It's probably even worse than an alcoholic. At least an alcoholic knows that they're, man, I need help. I need something. Self-righteous, I don't need help. So I was probably worse. I don't know. But believe me, we're not here to compare who is worse and who's not. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But when I tell them that, they go, man, that's crazy. I go, yeah, because I'm just letting you know. I was never a gang member. I was never a drug addict, but I love to reach the gang member and the drug addict. I love to reach the down and outer. I love to reach the out. How could you love that? How could you not? That's what God called us to do. Listen to me, my friend. God has given us a unique technique for a unique purpose. When David picked up these five smooth stones, you would think, why, why would you pick five stones to kill a huge nine-foot, ten-foot mammoth of a man? When you actually read and study up on the sling or a slinger, these slingshot men, when you would put a slingshot in the hand of the right person, they could use a sling just as good and just as strong as somebody with a gun in their hand. Matter of fact, even still to this day, many armies still use the sling technique. They use the sling technique. And now, for those of us who go, man, that'd be kind of hard. I'd rather just get a gun and bang. Well, for some of these people, they can use a sling just as good, if not better, than somebody with a gun. They were good like that. This is what the armies would use. So when he picked up a sling, he had already knew that what I'm about to pick up, this weapon was battle tested and battle approved. See, some of you need to understand something. I know many times you like to pick up this and say, man, I need help. But I want you to know something. This phone is not battle tested and not battle approved. What you need to do is pick up this and get on this and talk with this so that he can hear from this and share with you what's battle tested and battle approved. This is battle tested, my friend. I know many times, many people, they like to go and they want to get on the phone and, oh, I need to talk to my best friend. Oh, I got to talk to this person. Oh, I need them to call me. No, my friend, what you need to do is pick up the weapon that has been approved and has lasted for centuries and that is going to help you in the battle. See, far too often we try to fight a battle and, and, and we think we're going to win it in our own techniques, in our own ways. But my friend, what you need all you need is a Bible. 
You know, a lot of times, a lot of people try to say, and they try to get all these different phrases and all these different quotes and all these different things, but my friend, this thing's battle-tested. It's battle-approved. You can quote Gandhi. You can quote uh, Bernard Shaw. You can quote all these great men. Albert Einstein. Kind of sounds good. Feels about right. Yeah, why not? But I want to tell you something. I ain't going to Albert Einstein if I'm going through a battle. I'm not going to what sounds good. Listen to me, my friend. I like what Spurgeon said. He said, five words of the holy gospel can do more than five million of a wicked man. Sometimes, listen to me. I know some of you guys are going through it. And I know sometimes you guys are, I just need somebody. What you need to do is learn how to get on your knees. That's what you need to do. See, far too often we run to people and then we get mad at people when they're not there. You should have been there. I tried to call you. I went over your house. It's your fault. No, it's not their fault. You know the word and he has been trying to speak to you for a long time. See, David understood that. He said, man, listen to me, Saul. No offense, but I cannot take your armor. I've got some armor that's been battle tested. I have been involved in a ministry that has been fighting battles for a long time. And I've learned how to pray. I've learned how to fast. And I've learned how to evangelize. These these three things, man, they work, man. And I'm going to do them till the day that I die because I know that my God shall supply and will supply all of my needs. It's battle tested and battle approved. Can I hear an amen? See, David stood tall, not with weapons of mass destruction, but with the trust in his God and the courage of the call. See, what I love about the story of David is that we found his courage when it came to danger. There's an old story of an oriental legend, and it tells of a barbarian chieftain who thought to honor Alexander the Great by giving him three noble dogs of matchless courage. Shortly after the chieftain had left, Alexander decided to test the dogs. He had a bull brought before these dogs, but the dogs only yawned and went to sleep. Then he had a deer and an antelope put into the park with the dogs, but the dogs weren't even interested. Alexander, certain that the dogs were worthless, he had them killed. A few days later, the chieftain returned to ask about his favorites. When he was told what had been done to these dogs, he told this to Alexander. He said, oh, Alexander, you are a great king, but you are a very foolish man. You showed them a bull and a deer and an antelope, and they paid no attention. But if you had turned a lion and a tiger loose on them, you would have seen what brave dogs I have given you. You see, it is danger that brings forth the courage. See, you and I must understand some of the greatest stories that we ever talk about in the Bible is because there was danger that came their way. Daniel was faced with the lions. Why? Because danger came his way. Noah was faced with a boat. Why? Because danger came their way. These three young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were faced with danger. They were faced with, what are you going to do? You're either going to have to put up or go with the flow. And these men said, no, even in the midst of danger, they stood tall. Listen to me, my friend. Don't think for a second. That'll never happen to me. You guys starting to read the stories now? I know you're starting to read these headlines. We've been talking about this for months and years. Little by little. 
I mean, I don't even know who this woman Kim Davis is. You could take whatever political stance you want and well, I'm on this side, I'm on this side. Listen, say whatever you want. I like Kim Davis, man. I like I was like, man, that's a woman, right? I was like, I I already have a uh, have an issue cuz sometimes um, one time somebody asked me to be a driver. This is when I was learning, you know, getting a job, you know, I said, you want to be a driver? I said, sure. They said, what am I going to be driving? They said, oh, you're going to be driving a Coors. I go, no, I'm not going to do that. They go, no, but you're a driver. You're not drinking it. I go, I don't care. This was me when I was 20 years old. When I was 20 years old, I said, I'm not going to be a driver and go contribute to people's alcoholism when that messed up my father's liver. Why would I do that? That doesn't make any sense. So believe me, when this woman comes over here and says, I'm not issuing a license, I'm going to tell you right now, I took a lot of guts. I took a lot of guts. Now, you could take it either which way. Well, she should have just did it and it'll be all right. Okay. But for whatever reason, that had been brewing up. And the reason why I say that is because if you noticed, there was about 40 cameras there. It didn't just happen on the spot. It had been brewing. Something had already been happening. That couple was already mad. They were, oh, you better issue me a license or else I'm bringing all the news cameras. And they did. So they brought them all. And here's this lady. She's in jail. Is she still in jail? She's still in jail, huh? Now, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, go online. Check it out for yourself. Kim Davis, there in Kentucky, the clerk's office, she decided not to issue a marriage license to a homosexual couple. Now, you could take it either which way. Well, she should have just did it and been nice and been good. Okay, that's, that's fine. That's your conviction. Her conviction said no. Now, I like it too because all the cameras were there. All the cameras were there. And do you hear the question? I like that. I like that. Because it said, by whose authority are you doing this? What did she say? God's authority. Now, that's where the video stops. If you watch another video that extends it out, that's usually where the highlight of it stops. It stops right there. Because I've been watching all these videos. There's another video that shows that she said, by God's authority. And the video keeps going. And she was being really nice, very polite. I'm sorry, we're not issuing marriage. You can, and the guy gets really mad. Right, right. She walks away. And he keeps going. And then this guy behind the counter, the, the, uh, the man who wanted his marriage license with him and his partner, says, how could all of you guys be affiliated with this? How could all you guys? You know what I love? There was two other people that started saying the same thing she did. She said, well, we're just letting you know right now, by God's authority, we're not giving you nothing. Well, that's not the law. I don't care. It's God's law. I was like, Ooh. I was watching this video. I was like, I want to jump up in there, man. I'm like, I, I really did. I wanted to do like a Superman. Like, dun, 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 dun. Because, man, I mean, think about that. In the midst of danger. Uh, now, for those of you who say, well, what danger? In the midst of losing your job. Can you imagine right now if you got tested with losing your job or, or fighting and being a Christian? Fighting for your convictions. Fighting for what you believe in. Then, see, now it starts meeting the, where the tire meets the road. Wait, wait, well, hold, hold on one second. Oh, it's my job here. It's my livelihood. It's how I make my money. That's how I make my life. Well, what am I going to do? And this lady just said, No. That's the same thing David did even back then. Hasn't been anything new. He just said, listen, listen, listen. I I'm sorry, King Saul. I, I know that, you know, you've got all this stuff, and I know you've got all these things, and I know you've got these weapons that are awesome and great, but I've got something that's proven. And one thing that has proven is my God. 
my God has always met all my needs. My God has been able to give me everything that I need. My God has always given me the victory. Listen, King Saul, I'm not fighting for victory. I'm fighting from victory. See, far too often, many people, they begin to think that, man, it's got to look like this. It's got to look like that. Listen, my friend, I don't want a five-star church. I don't want a five-star hotel. I want a five-rock soldier. I want somebody who could come in and say, hey, I ain't got all this. I ain't got all that. But one thing I do, God, is I got a sling. I got some rocks, and I'm ready to sling them at a moment's notice. I'm ready to fight the battle. Listen to me, my friend. The battle, whether you like it or not, is coming to your doorstep. It's coming to your doorstep. Little by little, it's inching its way, and it's coming to your doorstep. Are you going to stand where you believe in? Or is it going to be, wait, is it Sunday? Only if it's Sunday will I stand up for my beliefs. Because if it's not Sunday, then I can't do it. I'm telling you, little by little, it's happening. See, danger reveals weakness or strength. King Saul was a big, strong, husky sample of a man. He was head and shoulders above his fellow Israelites. He could brag and he can boast, but his life, listen to me, his life was not in danger. But in the face of Goliath, he began to shake like a leaf in the wind. Now, what should have happened is that Saul should have remembered God's power and had gone forth to fight the giant. His name, now think about this. King Saul's name could have been remembered as one of the great names of all time. It wouldn't, we wouldn't even be talking about David. We'd be talking about Saul, the one who the people chose and the one who fought for the people. When you read the life of King Saul, he was bigger than everybody in Israel. He was a handsome man, a rugged man, of the one that people said, man, that's a great guy right there. But when it came down to danger, oh, uh, 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 why don't you go? Oh, you go do this. It could, we could have been talking about Abraham, Moses, Noah, the apostle Paul, and King Saul. But we're not talking about him. Why? Because he was a coward. He was a coward. He was the one that should have fought that battle. Not an errand boy. Not a little kid who brings cheese to a battle. It should have been him. He was equipped. He was ready. He was battle tested. He was the one that should have went to the lines and said, hey, guys, I'll do it. But no, he didn't. Why? Because he was a coward. Listen to me, Christians. Listen to me. Don't let it be the day that ever, ever, that you would be met with a battle and you would cower out. I know it's, listen to me, it's getting tough. And they're doing this whole separation of church and state. You can separate it all you want, but it's intertwined into the fabric of this country. You could do it all you want. Oh, we're going to separate it. Nah, you fine. Go ahead and try to separate it. But for some reason, it just keeps coming right back. God is in the DNA of this country. God is in the DNA of this globe. God is in the DNA of this universe. You could try to take it out, but I'm sorry, my friend. It's there. It's there. If I see a tree, I see God. If I feel a breeze, I feel God. If I can, I know it's God. You could try to separate it all you want, but God is there. God is here. Listen to me, my friend. There's going to come a day where you're going to come face to face with courage or coward. And that battle is going to come right at you. 
And it's going to test your convictions. It's going to test you. Now, believe me, when it comes and tests you, it's not going to ask you your church attendance. It's not going to ask you how many ties or how many dresses you have. It's not going to ask you how many scriptures you know. It's not going to ask you that. It's going to ask you, is your belief in God, the one true God, the almighty, the creators of the heavens and the earth? Do you believe that he is the savior of this world? Do you believe that he can save a drug addict, that he can save a blue collar and a white collar? Do you believe that he is the savior of this universe? Coward or courage meets where your conviction is. Listen to me, my friend. I'm closing with this. This is very important to me because this is something that we have fought for for generation after generation. And listen, I, I remember when I first got back, and I want to share this story with you. When I first got back here uh, to, to Victory Outreach Hayward, and they had even asked me, and they had asked my wife, they said, oh, okay, you guys are back. I wonder what's going to happen to Victory Outreach Hayward. I wonder what's going to happen to Victory Outreach. Are they going to go under? I'm not kidding. I, I would have people that actually told us, we thought Victory Outreach was going under. We thought that there was going to be no more Victory Outreach here in Hayward. Not as a whole, but in Hayward. But I remember I sat in an office with Pastor Sonny one day before I came here. And we were talking a bunch of stuff. We were saying a bunch of stuff. And one of the persons, they had asked the, the question to Pastor Sonny about Victory Outreach Hayward. You know what, Pastor Sonny? These words just stuck out. He said a lot, but these words stuck out to me. He said, no, Victory Outreach Hayward is too important. To the movement and when he said that it was like I wasn't even here yet I wasn't even in the battle yet but I was I was in the shepherd's field I was like I just picked me up a stone right now I just got a stone and ooh. You, you ever you ever been to the lake before you ever been to a lake and you got a stone and you just like skipped it and you counted it like Oh, and then as you start doing that, you start getting the experience of the stones. You start getting experience of what rocks can do what, where they can go and what they can't do. You could feel the weight of it. If ever, right? Those of you that have done it, you've picked up rocks and you've tried it. I don't know if you've done it. I've tried it all the time. I'm a ball player, so I would, wow, oh, okay, all right, don't do that. Get this one. I'm ambidextrous, too. I got a right hand, too. Wham, okay, all right. And I just keep picking up rocks, and I keep picking up rocks. That moment I was there with Pastor Sonny, it's like I picked up a boulder. And I felt like, man, this is on right now. I mean, I, it's almost like I felt like, I dare you, devil, to come at me right now. You know what David said? He said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Listen to me. Your songs of tomorrow are being written by your struggles of today. Some of you need to know something right now. I know that you're going through it. I know that you feel like nothing's ever going to progress. I know you feel like you're never going to get the victory. But my friend, just pick it up right now. I'm telling you, one day it's going to come at you and you're going to feel it. And people are going to say stuff and you're going to say, hey, I'm ready. I got my stones. I got my rocks. I'm ready to go. I'm battle tested, battle approved. You want some of this devil? Let's go. A five-stone soldier. I love that about David. 
He was ready to go. Listen to me. I know some of you right now are in the battle and you're in the struggle, but just pick it up. Pick up that stone. I'm telling you, as a fellow person who's been throwing stones and slinging stones these past few generations, these past few decades, these past few years, I'm telling you, it works. I close with this. 1 Samuel chapter 17. They can come to the piano. Verse 45. Let's read verse 45. And I close with this. This is really good. This is probably one of my favorites. 1 Samuel chapter 17 verse 45 says, David said to the Philistine, You come against me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come against you in what? In what? The name of the Lord. Lord. Remember, it was a word battle. They were going words with friends. They were going at it. They were just talking all this stuff. Nobody had even thrown anything. Nobody had even shot anything. It was all a bunch of words. All a bunch of words. Very important. Know your word. I come to you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the God in Israel. All those who gathered here will know that it is not by sword or by spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's. Oh, I like that right there. He will give all of you into our hands as the Philistines move closer to attack him. David ran quickly toward the battle and the line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. Now look at me here in verse 51. David ran and stood over him. He took a hold of the Philistine sword and drew it from the sheath. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. Then the men of Israel and Judah surged forward with a shout and pursued the Philistine to the entrance of Gath and to the gates of Ekron. Their dead were strewn along the Sherem road to Gath and Ekron. Verse 53, when the Israelites returned from chasing the Philistines, they plundered their camp. David took the Philistines' head and brought it to Jerusalem. He put the Philistines' weapons in his own tent. Bible says that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You know what I love about that story? Is that David struck him down with his own stones. But to make a trophy out of him, he used his sword. He said, oh, okay, all right, all right, is that what you want to do? The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. What did David do? took it he killed him and then he destroyed listen my friend the enemy tries to take our tactics not the other way around he tries to do what God has given us God has given us to take back what the enemy stole to take it all back listen to me my friend some of you here this year the year is not over you need to take back what the enemy trying to rob from you some of you he tried to rob your dignity take it back some of you he tried to rob your health 
take it back. Some of you try to rob your marriage, take it back. Some of you have been trying to rob your kids, take them back. Listen to me. Don't let the enemy steal what's yours. Don't let them take what's yours. You could try all you want. You could do this all you want. But my friend, the moment, I, that's what I love. I mean, it's crazy. In the physical aspect of it, he actually cut off the guy's head and used it as a trophy. Doesn't that kind of sound like something that's happening even right now? Told you the enemy's always been trying to do what we do. Always. He's been trying to do that. But David said, no, 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 no. He said, I'm going to show them. I'm going to show everybody. Let everybody know that on this battlefield, my God gave us the victory. Some of you here today, you got to know one thing. Your God has given you the victory. God has given you, and you got to declare it. Lift up that sword and declare that on this city, in my family, in my house, that God has given us the victory. It is ours. It's yours. My friend, you have the victory. It's yours. It's yours. It's yours. I know you've been going through it. I know it's been tough. I know it's been hard. But the victory is yours. I know you've been getting bumps and bruises, but the victory is yours. I know the enemy's been talking bad about you, but the victory is yours. I know people have been talking about you, but the victory is yours. I know people have been discouraging you, telling you, you ain't going to make it, but the victory is yours. Listen, my friend, I love this about David. I love this. And as a fellow athlete who understands what it takes to endure through certain pains, man, that gets me excited. That gets me pumped. Listen to me. Some of you, you got to start working out in the spirit once again. You look at me, claim the victory, and you go, man, that's great for pastor. No, it's great for you. I don't believe in just raising up church members. I believe in raising up disciples men and women of God that have the victory. See, far too often you'll find a lot of people in a lot of churches that just get satisfied just with going to church. No! Anybody could be on the battle lines. Just ask the Israelites. They stood there too. They stood in church but did nothing. Don't give me church folk. Give me five star folk. Five rock folk. People that are ready. They use a sword. Use it this way. Use it that way. I'm ready to go. All right, you want to say, listen to me, fathers. I close with this. Fathers, 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 fathers. Husbands, husbands, husbands. You better pick up that sword. Because if you don't pick it up, women are great at it. That's what I, I, I want to tell you right now about wives and women. Women can pick up any drop ball. They can pick it up with their eyes closed. Because it's just natural to them. But you know why? It's a sad commentary on men if we don't. That's sad on us. Listen to me, fathers, husbands. You pick up that sword. Listen to me, men in the home. You're learning how to pick up a sword. Don't leave yet. Don't leave yet. Think you know how to fight with a sword. I'm going to tell you right now. If you don't fight with a sword, a woman will fight with a sword. She'll do it better than you. That's not your call. Or excuse me, that's not their call. That's your call. You need to do that. You're in the shepherd's field. 
Don't leave yet without learning how to use this the right way. Don't leave yet without learning how to make this a defense and an offense. Don't leave yet. You leave too early, you can miss the giant. Don't do that. Listen to me, fathers. It's our job to pick up and claim the victory of our house. It's not easy. It's not simple. It's not going to be given to us. But this is what God has called us to do. I want to challenge this as Victory Outreach Hayward. We're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory. That enemy, he's got it in his sheath. He's got it inside of him. I'm going to get this thing. Some of you right now, you got to determine it in you. you got to go pick up this thing. you got to cut off his head and put it as a trophy case saying, listen, I fought a bear, I fought a lion, and I fought a Goliath. I'm ready to fight anything and anyone else. Listen to me. We're fighting in Hayward. We're fighting in the city. We're fighting meth. We're fighting crack. We're fighting heroin. We're fighting alcoholism. We're fighting domestic violence. We're fighting all these things. We need soldiers that can pick this thing up. And say, hey, put down the pipe. You're not supposed to be doing that thing. Put down the bottle. Quit running to that thing. Some of you guys got to get the authority to cut that bottle in half, man. I don't care what you say. Dump it out. I'm a crazy pastor. That's right. You go to that house. You find beer. You dump that thing. And if they tell you to pay for it, say, I'll buy you $20 worth of lemonade. <laughs> Serious. I'm not playing. Fight with conviction. Put that bottle around here. Put that pipe around here. Bring that joint around here. People should know that when they come around you, ain't no smoking, drinking, cussing, doing all that. They should know that. They should know why. Because you got heads all around you. You got Goliath said, See that head? If you're not careful, that's going to be you too. Smoking around here. Drinking around here. You have that authority. Don't look at me like, oh, pastor, he's got it. No. I've had this, but it's yours too. Stop doing that. Oh, the pastor's got it. He can preach. No. Don't do that. It's yours. I've told people hundreds of times. Get off that drink. Get off that weed. Get off that. But they'll smoke it in front of me. I don't care. I'll still keep swinging. Things that are cut. Not in my house. Not in my city. Not in mine. The battle is the Lord's. Bow your heads with me here this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I believe that the Lord's been speaking to many of you here this morning. The Lord's been speaking to many of you here this morning. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. The Spirit of God is even moving and ministering even right now to many of you. Oh, As you're standing with me, listen, if that's you here this morning, you say, you know what? I need to make this altar call. I have to have this altar I want you to slip out of your seat right now. I don't even want to explain it. If that's you, you need to come. You come right now. Whether you're a husband or a wife.